Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you about rotoballer.com. Win big in 2022 with rotoballer.com's MLB and DFS Premium Pass, which includes 15 exclusive lineup tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, and our new Team Sync platform. Use Rotoballer's exclusive hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value plays, research stations, lineup optimizer, and more to help you win big. For a limited time, get your MLB Premium Pass for an extra 10% off your with your discount code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A. Just visit rotoballer.com, use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A for 10% off the Premium Pass for the MLB season, and get started to rotoballing like a boss. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub in the Bloom, episode seven, coming at you with some pitching over and under performers, some recent news, and much, much more to get you ready for another week of fantasy baseball action. You can find me on Twitter at BDendrick, and my co-host is always on Twitter at RyanBHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how we doing, man? I'm I'm doing okay. I took the night off last night, Wednesday night, because my I'm still picking up the picking up the pieces of Tyler McGill, his, his carnage. <laughs> who I felt so good about on pretty much all my teams, calling him Siler McGill and an inning in a third and I think nine earned. Uh, it still hurts. It still hurts. I'm, I'm trying not to have it ruin two days of my fantasy baseball life, but it ruined one. It didn't feel yes. good. Well, it's like they say, it's better early than later, I think is the term, because you can, you can work out of this hole. But uh, yeah, it was. it sucks because everyone's like, True. oh, he's due for a it's always like, oh, it sucks. He's due for a bad start, but it's like, was that the bad start we really wanted? I don't think no. so. Like, <laughs> no, and I saw like I saw like comparisons to um, McGill start and like Kyle Wright start. It's like, yeah, Ooh. but Kyle Wright only gave up six, and he went, uh, I don't know, three or four, maybe a couple more innings. Like he started off real bad to be recovered, but man, McGill, especially so. Like, yeah, I agree. The um, having this happen early is okay. It's just depressing to see your standings. I think I lost. In my main, I lost, I think, nine points because of that yeah. that start. So just because everyone's so bunched up, but, but that's that, what I that's get for a, looking at standings right now. Anyway, well, I'm a degenerate, and every night before I go to bed, I reload the page and see where my teams are at. And if it's like a good, if I had like a good day, I go and see the live scoring. Like I'm, I'm an idiot like that. That's what I do. But um, it's also a good testament, and because I see when I do that every night, 
there's still a lot of wiggle room in these categories. A lot. Like you said, you lost nine points just by one start. There's there's some nights where I, I think it was Vlad Sedler posted a tweet the other day where he gained like 17 points in one day because he had like a couple big hitters and a couple big pitchers. Like there's still yeah. a lot of room for stuff to happen. So like the moral of the story is don't get down yet. Keep grinding. Like uh, I know I've talked about recently is I, I started so many were like 12th to 15th place. A lot of them now are like seventh to third. Like you can make movements on stuff. It's not the end of the world. So just grind your butts off is the best way I can put it. So. It's true that I'm. I'm glad you say the the Vlad example because he's act. That's a DC that I'm in that league, and I DM'd him. Okay. I was like, "Dude, look at your uh, look at your team tonight." It was the night where Otani had two homers. Trout had a homer. Like Trout, one of Otani's. Yeah. Yep. So he started Trout Otani, and but yeah, like you can gain 15 points on a good night. You can lose 10, 15 mm-hmm. on a bad night. So it's a roller coaster. Keep the faith. Keep grinding. That's what we always say. Keep on grinding. So we'll talk about some recent news to help you keep grinding because there's some fun, fun topics coming up here. A lot of it are loose ends. Like the first one we have here is Jeremy Pena left uh, one of the doubleheader games today on Thursday. Did not return because he's day-to-day now with left knee discomfort. Day-to-day is not a bad thing, but it's not a great thing, obviously. Um, He's made himself quite a name, quite a name out there, being very productive in the fantasy streets, Ryan. So Let's just say going into this three-game weekend on an FEC format, how do you approach Jeremy Pena? It sounds like he's – I think he's already out Friday. So I think he's a bench if you can bench him yeah. for the weekend. And then you just hope that you can get him back um, on Monday or maybe if they play Tuesday. I don't know if they have off day Monday or, or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, certainly sucks because Jeremy Pena is having – an awesome season uh, with six bombs, a steal hitting 250. And I think there's even some upside in that. So um, at a 24 year old, um, you look at, uh, I know I'm, I'm, I'm HQ heavy here, but a Mayberry method score for the, if you know, you know, four, five, two, five is, uh, is pretty damn sweet. Um, so yeah, let's just hope it's a, it's a short thing. It truly is day to day and he's back next week, but I think you do have to bench him if you can this weekend. Yeah, no, that's kind of what I'm worried about. Is he's a bench this weekend, and it's been weird the last couple of weeks with some of the scheduling. Like, there's been some interesting debates on benching some pretty solid players you've been rolling with all year for like four games here and three games here, and doesn't make you sleep easy. But it's kind of this, like we've been bred now, Ryan. It's like okay, at bats, at bats, at bats, mm-hmm. and it's and then you know some 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 very good players said even for instance the first half was because the A's had nine games this week. It's only halfway through the week. But it's like, okay, they have five games against the Tigers, but really, like, how good are their players to make it count? And most of them didn't make it count. Some of them did. Most of them didn't. So it's a good point. There's a point where bats aren't the king. But it's it's a fun debate. So depends on, I guess, your option. Jeremy, but with you, if you have something like with a good pulse, I'd play more Jeremy Payne this week. Yeah, at most you're getting two games, but uh, but yeah, it, it, it is funny with that A's week. I had that exact conundrum: do I have two mm-hmm. games of George Springer Monday to Thursday, or five of um, of Brown for Athletics? And I, I ended up staying with Springer. I just can't keep him on the bench, but uh, no, it's yeah, tough. We are yeah, yeah, I, I, it's tough. Yeah, because I had like T. Oscar and a couple other guys, and I was like, oh, what do I do? Yep. What do I do? Like Robbie, two. like like Robbie Grossman versus T. Oscar Hernandez. Where do I get so many stupid little things? I think I went Grossman, which he wasn't horrible, but you know, T. Oscar got stole a base, like one of the few steals he's gonna have. So there goes that. But uh, we digress. The St. Louis Cardinals 
they demoted Paul DeYoung. Like we know Paul has been struggling since his big year a couple of years ago, but I don't know if I knew a demotion was coming into play. Let's put it that way. But he got demoted and Mundo Sosa got reactivated. Like rumor on the street is they're going to try to give Sosa the run to earn the job, keep the job, make it his job. But, you know, you look at uh, the roster resources and other projections, they still have Donovan and Sosa platooning. There's lots of questions there. People want, they're screaming for Nolan Gorman. There's so much fun, Ryan. So how are you approaching this situation in St. Louis where there's a lot of moving parts right now? Yeah, a lot of moving parts. The the the, the demotion was a little surprised, I guess, just because DeYoung's been around so long. It's like that's what it was. They, it wasn't the production know, factor. Like yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, a brutal start to the season. I had a lot of DeYoung kind of late in DCs and um, kind of starting him as filler, but not anymore. It, I mean, it sounds like Sosa will take over um, most of the duties. We put an upside of Sosa of like fifteen steals in the forecaster, which honestly isn't really saying much if that's your upside uh projection if everything goes well um that's not very good only hitting 160 through 25 at bat striking out pretty much half the time so uh, i think this is an avoid unless it's like a deep nl only league where any kind of playing time is there especially with uh, at least some latent stolen base upside with sosa um but i think for now you you avoid it and and look elsewhere maybe hope gorman comes up but um i, I think they would have called him up by now it's been a couple yes. of days since since young was sent down and there's no gorman news so um we're kind of stuck with not much as short in st louis yeah i'm pretty much with you on that like so so we've seen what who sosa is let's put it that way he's a deep league option you know only option as you mentioned like he's not a, a world beater and they, they kept Donovan up, which surprised me. I figured they'd do some other moves, so they might platoon more than we think because Donovan actually played decent in a couple games. like a sh- super small sample, but he played actually decent in his first couple games. So that's still there, and I'm with you with Gorman. I, I actually had that conversation with someone else um, today. I said if they wanted Gorman, they'd call him because they called um, Yepes up, and they played him every day. Mm-hmm. I feel like – Gomer wasn't playing every day or Sosa was coming back. So thus he's either getting sent down or not. So they're not going to mess with that. That's what it came down to. That was my two cents. Cause he had his 13th home run of the year on Wednesday. Like the dude, he's got nothing else to prove at triple a. It's just a matter of, I think they want to call him up when he can play. That's the bottom line. So um, it's tough in that regards. And I'm with you. Sosa, if you're super desperate, like in 15 teamers at a middle infield, I guess, but it's, it's not a, it's not a lovely ringing endorsement. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, yep. Full agree. And I do wonder like, if not now, then when with Gorman, I mean, you mentioned yeah. the, the 13 homers, but hitting, hitting what, 287, 350 OBP. Like he's, I mean, what else does Gorman, unless it's yeah. defense, which is always kind of the, the, the de facto, the default, uh, the default yeah. argument, uh, with <laughs> the he, bat, there's not much left to prove in the well, it's and, and this is the discussion I had. So we like, we went around the Cardinals infield. It's like, okay, he's not playing Goldie at first. He's not playing third for Arenado. So now it's now Sosa and Edmund up the middle and Edmund's playing great. And they want to give Sosa some run. So I guess it comes down to, they give Sosa a few weeks, maybe a month. If he doesn't pan out, you move Edmund to short, you bring Gorman up. That's the only thing I can think of, but I, yeah, it's tricky. It's because the outfield's full. To, like with, with Yep is in company, one of them's DHing all the time. So it comes down to that middle infield for Gorman's chances this year, and might mean September if, if they actually play well. So let's keep an eye on that one as well. Chicago White Sox. We've got some good news, possibly, because sometimes when players come back early, Ryan, it's not as great as we actually hope it is. Like it's it's fun. We get excited. Not always the best thing, 
But uh, Eloy Jimenez was supposed to be out like four to six, maybe eight weeks at one point in time. We saw him taking BP, running around. He did a post in a, a little di- a dugout scrum, as they say, afterwards. And he told them, and even the club backed it up, he's only out two more weeks. So, like, that 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 return got cut down big time. Are you – you're probably happy if you're an Eloy guy, but how excited are you is basically what I'm trying to act because I'm still nervous coming back this quickly. Yeah, you. it's always kind of bittersweet when you hear they're going to come back early. You just kind of have to trust and hope that um, they actually fully are healthy and he's not just itching to get back. We kind of saw this – I mean, for someone so young with him at his age 25 season – we like have some precedent here last season when he tore his pec and, and, and we mentioned they had the funeral in April for him. Um, He rose from the dead and, and hit 249 with 10 homers and like 200 at bats last season and a different injury. This is a hamstring. Um, But there is some precedent of, he was at least productive in coming back somewhat early. I think he beat the timeline on the pec last year as well. So um, given that history, I and mean, it's again, same team, same training staff, that makes me feel a little bit better. And the fact that it's a hamstring, it's not like a hand or wrist that might kind of sap your power once you come back. So um, I think it's, I think it's great news. If you, if you held Eloy, I know Eloy was, was cut in a few leagues. We had that discussion mm-hmm. a week or two ago yep. about what do you do um, with Eloy? And I think we said to hold him until, until you can't. Um, and, and hopefully now with the news that he's back a couple weeks earlier, you can get him in the lineup and you won't have all those red suitcases piled up uh, a month from now. So I I think it's great news. I don't, I'm not too worried about, uh, about Elo coming back too soon. Yeah. It's going to be fun for the leagues that he did get dropped because he did, like we talked about Mm -hmm. get dropped. And like we've seen in recent weeks, Ryan, these guys get just massive bids for these prospects and prospects are super risky. Like, We've talked about it before. Like you get your random, like the Adalberto Montesi call-up season, and uh, you know Ronald Acuna call-up. So like these dudes beast out, but for every one of them, there's like twelve guys that don't do anything, and it's just it's for us. Like even Fabapalooza a couple years ago, somehow like Oscar Mercado was the big winner, and that just says everything you need to know about that 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 run. So everyone that spent money on these guys, the ones that didn't, might actually get Eloy Jimenez now. Which goes to show you, like, there's never like a, a perfect formula because you never know how this is going to play out. But it's just one of those deals. Like, this could be fun. This could yeah. be fun. So uh, if if he's available in your league, good luck. I I usually don't bid super high. I would probably bid pretty high on Eli Minutes. But that way, so. uh, I, if he's available, I think you you bid. I mean, it all depends on your league. If there's if there's zero dollar bids or whatever, but I think you go real hard. Yeah. Uh, just because, I mean, like you said, Bubba, this isn't just a prospect that you're speculating mm-hmm. on. This is someone who can legitimately yeah, deliver. That said, I mean, Eloy's ninety nine percent owned in twelve team online championships. So. Um, there may be two leagues in the OCs where he's available. So it'll be interesting where he goes, but, um, but yeah, I think this is someone you, you break the bank for and figure it out later. Yeah. I got four OCs. I need to go dig in now. I'm praying like one of them has him. If you're one of the, it'd be so much fun. I doubt it. I doubt my odds are that good. 99% rostered and still 2% started, which is kind of, kind of depressing that's, to spend $350 and, yeah. and still be starting. Eloy, well, that's a, that hurts. That's a whole other thing. I think it was Rob DiPietro a couple of weeks ago tweeted out something about it was either Acuna when he was still out or some some player that was clearly out was rostered in like 20% of leagues or something like are starting. It was like, 
Hmm, you guys have spent seven eighteen hundred dollars. <laughs> like interesting. Bold strategy. Oh, in, a, in in Maine's. Interesting. Yeah, it was in Maine's. It was in. Maine's. I see it in. I see because when I do my draft champ, my first kind of pass through draft champions is I just I, I do pull up roster uh, per, or ownership percentage and start percentage just to see if I have anyone on my bench who's just like way gone. And yeah, every now and then you do see an injured guy who's been out for a while, and it's like fifteen percent starting. It's like, mm, yeah, yeah, that's always always quite the shocker. Another one, though, you look at Nick Madrigal of the Chicago Cubs, hits the IL, and, you know, Nick Madrigal, batting average guy, that's about all you're getting. But it potentially opens the door for everyday playing time for Jonathan VR. We've been waiting for this. This is the time to shine. If he doesn't, we have a listener question on this later, actually. But it's Johnny VR season, Ryan. And as a guy that's a big Johnny VR proponent, I'm excited in the leagues. I still have managed to hold him because I've dropped him in other places because I just couldn't hold him any longer. It is tough. So yeah, we do have that. We do have that um, that listener question, and like VR has been, it's been pretty brutal. He's hitting two forty three, which is kind of what we thought, but just one stolen base, um, and on base of two eighty six, and and no home runs. Now it's only over seventy part time at bats, and and VR is someone who in a week can get you five steals and and all is well, all is good. And so this was the thing, this was the, and I know we talked about VR. I think one of our first episodes was he just mm-hmm. has so many paths to playing time um, that eventually it's going to come through. So I'm not giving up on VR at all at this point. If you've, if you've held onto him, obviously you're playing him. Um, I would be aggressive in leagues to pick him up, especially if you're starting to fall behind in bags, just because I think he's going to get everyday playing time and let's, and you know, Let's see once he gets into that groove um, if he returns to the VR of old. I mean, he's still only 31 years old. There's plenty of time to do that. So I'm not too worried and looking too far into the 70 at bat sample. Um, I am keeping my eye on the green or red light with Chicago because that is something like on a new team um, that could be an organizational philosophy. It might not just be a VR thing. So the, the stolen base at temp rate is really low right now. Could just be a matter of circumstance, but um, but I'm still going after him really hard just because steals are at a premium and VR can make up a lot of ground, um, especially with someone like who's you know Mondesi's out. Like all, Whit Merrifield isn't stealing. Like a lot of the stolen base guys who we thought were going to be elite um, elite speed sources have not been, and so there's that opportunity to pick up a lot of ground. I'm 100 with you. Like we like you said, we talked about it at the beginning of the season when he got this gig. And uh, I drafted him in a ton of leagues late. And like I said, I probably have him in maybe a third to half of them still. Um, and this is what we've been waiting for. We talked about the past the playing time. We just took one injury and and we'll see how long Madrigal's out for. But if VR plays, they're going to keep him out there. So I'm excited about seeing what happens. We'll see. It's still a bad Cubs team. A lot can change. But uh, you got to be kind of optimistic. We finally got that chance. And it only took about a month, Ryan. So it's kind of like we talked about. You know, he plays 130 games every single season. And here we go. Like, it's go time. So let's get some production. And you mentioned the guys that we expected to steal bases. They're not doing great right now. So this could be the the golden goose we've been looking for at this at this point in time. All right. Los Angeles Angels, Vanaheim, David Fletcher, abductor surgery. He's going to be out like at least two months, maybe more. Like it's the big, I guess kind of came out of nowhere to me. And then uh, it got pretty bad real quick because the way I'll say it. Right now, Andrew Velasquez is playing shortstop for Anaheim. There's probably many other ways they can go on this team. Any thoughts on this? Because I'm not running to grab Andrew Velasquez. 
No, I'm not either. And uh, I, I was hoping that it might be Tyler Wade uh, from a fantasy standpoint. Like that's who you want playing every day. We we're just talking about VR speed. Tyler Wade, someone who I always get confused with Taylor Ward, yep. but is not. Um, Tyler Wade's a, a speedster who had, and I know a lot of this was kind of pinch run duties, but had 13 stolen bases in the second half of last season and just 78 at bat. So um, let's see where Velazquez, how often Velazquez played. Plays. He, I agree. He's not fantasy interesting uh, for me. Tyler Wade, I think we'll get, we'll see. We just wrote this up at HQ. Should see a slight bump in playing time at second base, and then fill in for Velasquez at, at, at shortstop. And like you said, the the Fletcher injury is a. I think it's both adductors that he's. It was um, gnarly. It was a bad, down for bad it, deal. Yeah, that that sounds awful, um, and it sounds like an extended absence. So, um, hope it's Tyler Wade. Pick him up if you need steals. Probably not in twelve teamers, but maybe in fifteens is probably where you wanna you wanna draw that line. Just because he is pretty deficient in power, but the batting average could be all right. Score some runs on a um, pretty entertaining Angels team so far. Yeah, they're balling out right now, and um, the good thing is you mentioned deeper leagues. I have him in a lot of DCs. Like he was one of my favorite targets late just because of his multi-position eligibility and the steals upside similar to VR. Now he's got playing time. Like here it is. This is what you pray for in these deeper formats. And we'll see if he runs with it literally and, uh, and goes, we, we can really, really hope for that with Tyler Wade. Uh, a couple other here, Mitch Garver of the, the Texas Rangers hits the IL. Um, you know, it's a catcher, catcher stink. But Jonah Heim, that means he doesn't have to platoon with Garber. Garber's DHing and catching. But Heim's actually been kind of productive. And, Ryan, the catcher's position has been just horrific, absolutely horrific. Like, it's been beyond bad. I've been dropping Carson Kelly places and, and Max Stassi. I dropped actually before he went on the IL. And I love these guys, and I could see them being productive. But it's been so bad. Like, is Jonah Heim with a regular gig worth a look in certain leagues right now? I mean, he's hitting 356, <laughs> three homers. Even if he was hitting 356 with no homers, no runs, no RBI, he's probably an upgrade over whoever uh, the hell your second catcher is in a 15-teamer. Uh, but you look at the plate skills with Joe Hein, I know it's just 45 at-bats, but a 17% walk rate, the K rate's elite. Um, our expected batting average for Heim is over 300 right now. That's going to fall just when, when the sample grows. But um um yeah you absolutely take a shot on someone like this if he's still available uh just because he has a pulse at catcher and like you said catcher's been so bad that heim just kind of needs some playing time and i think he could be i mean he could be a uh not number one overall catcher but a, a catcher in one catcher leagues if you're uh kind of streaming catchers are in a more shallow league i think jonah heim absolutely is um someone you want to you want to you want to go for yeah, no, it'll be it'll be quite interesting to see what he goes for in Fab if he's still available. Because I know some people are already picking up on how bad catching's been. It's like, okay, I'll take three games of Jonah Heim each week or something and see where it goes. Now you might get five. So we'll see how that one plays out. Uh, Los Angeles Angels, Vanheim, back to them. Max Stassi, like I said, on to the IL. Chad Wallach is supposed to step in as catcher. Got Austin Romine. Not doing a lot for me, Ryan. No. Not 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 doing anything for me, and we 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 can move on from that yeah. one because it's uh yeah that's that's the that's the part of the pool you don't want to wait in that's that's yeah. the that's the deep end with the with the baby Ruth the the yellow stain that's that part of the pool the and you don't want I love it you don't want to you want to do that there's a good Caddyshack reference for those that aren't paying attention at home <laughs> Sandlot 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 oh that's right no, didn't Caddyshack have a pool uh, thing too yeah well, I think it was Caddyshack. Yeah, 
we're gonna have to look into that some more um different note though a picture we talked about a couple yeah picture we talked about a couple weeks ago we were happy with the pitch mix changes we're like okay like he's gonna have his bad outings but there might be something here there might be it was caddyshack Okay, that's More importantly, thought. you're you're right. I, I'm I am disappointed in myself. <laughs> yeah, because with, with Sandlot, it's all about Wendy Peppercorn. And, that's right. <laughs> and Squints. It's all about Paul Sporer and Wendy. Um, but I can't uh, when, it, from that. when it comes to the, to the Minnesota Twins, Chris Paddock was showing signs of life. Now he's showing signs of 60 day plus IL, which is dreadful. It's like we saw the pitch mix change, we saw the new off speed pitches, and now his arm's falling off. Like this is a bad, bad conundrum we're in. Um, this might mean Josh and I. Per, I apologize, Winder Winder. I always screw it up. He should be locked into that rotation now, Ryan, and he's looked pretty good early on here. He has. I watched Winder start today. He pitched against Houston, and uh, and and Yordong Alvarez went went deep twice off of him, and um, that's just a tough lineup to to go through. But before today, Winder was was really impressive in a few starts. I picked him up in TGFBI, of course, for for this week, and that happened. Um, but but it was just I think one of those days for him. I think Winder is going to be in the rotation for a while um you've you've got the in his may first start was at tampa went six innings seven k's one walk and then oakland which is kind of a punching bag right now in a second start eight k's no walks but you're doing what you're supposed to do against that and then as a as a um as a prospect we gave winder number three um starter upside in rotation so not going to be like an elite kind of game breaker but someone in 12s and 15s that i think is going to give you good ratios pretty good pretty good k's and and despite today's start um as someone who you want to target and especially with uh, paddock being out so long i think winder's going to be there for a while yeah it looks it looked good for winder because i've had this discussion with toby last on tuesday i was like i was kind of out on him i didn't know how it would go and like literally for less than 24 hours there goes paddock and Yep, missed that boat. Missed it. Pat, in the big Paddock way. was one who I know velocity talk gets so overblown, but Paddock was one who had uh, I think a two mile an hour drop in fastball mm-hmm. velocity and um, didn't end well. Yep, did not end well at all. Speaking of Minnesota, we'll stick in Minnesota. Carlos Correa, we know they said he doesn't have like a serious injury in his finger, but they still put him on the IL to let him rest up. Royce Lewis got the call. Royce Lewis has been crushing AAA. You'd have to think when Correa comes back, Royce Lewis goes back down. But um, how do you maybe – what's your thoughts on that whole situation? Because Royce Lewis, he hasn't, like, burst onto the scenes in the bigs, but he hasn't, like, drowned either. Like, he's still kind of staying afloat. But you'd imagine Correa is just walking right back in, and, and I don't know where Royce goes after that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Royce Lewis is going to really have to – to, to make a strong case to stay in the lineup. And even then, like when Correa is back, he's in. Um, Royce Lewis doesn't have, I don't think has an extra base hit so far. He's hitting uh, 286 through 14 of plate appearances, no walks yet. Um, you know, holding his own, but nothing special. I think if, it, if, if, you, if you broke the bank for Royce Lewis last week, I just don't think the playing time is going to be there. And, and even though with the IL stint with Correa, it doesn't sound like it's anything too serious. So um, despite all the hype and that sort of thing with Royce, um, don't, 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 don't buy into it. I, I think it's just a temporary thing and, and he'll be back down soon. Yeah. I'm with you. That's why I, I, I didn't bid much on him cause I was nervous about the overall playing time. And for now I feel good about it, but hey, the dude's a beast. Like if he ever gets his role, big power speed guy, but I just don't know where that role is going to go. They, they, they paid Cray and they paid Javi Baez. So it, it's tough to, to slide in in that scenario. I know Baez is in Detroit. Never mind. Wrong team. But they have Polanco and they have Correa. 
Um, hey, we're even. Speaking, I said Caddyshack. So. Yeah. Well, speaking of bias, we're going back to Detroit here. And uh, Akil Badu finally got sent down. He, he got the Badont in this scenario, a bad joke intended. And it, it means like Will Castro, Derek Hill play center field. You got uh, Austin Meadows, Robbie Grossman. Anything, any of these, like maybe Castro or, or Hill working out for you here? You're just like, ah, it is what it is. Um, definitely not Hill. I, he's not that interesting. Castro, yeah. I mean, Castro is the one who's been playing pretty much every day, although hitting like sixth or seventh in the order since Badu went down. Um, nothing too interesting there for me. I, I, I do wonder, like, if you drafted Badu. Obviously, you were pretty high on um, on Badu given the draft price. Think you gotta drop them unless it's uh, you know unless it's a really deep bench because it's not an IL stint you can't kind of stash them on an IL. Yep. Um, I think you gotta cut bait and go. I think that's the real kind of decision that folks are gonna have to make. Uh, just a brutal start: one forty, one homer, one steal. Uh, not what we wanted outside of a uh, top you know one fifty pick. Yeah, that's the problem with with Badu. It makes it really really tricky there to say the least. And um... It was weird too because Ryan early in draft season, like everyone was all aboard the Badu train, and then it seemed like it was we got closer to the season. People were like, "Oh no, don't do it! Like something's not right." Like they, some experts had much better analysis than that. Like they dug into certain things on him, and it got ugly quick. It got ugly real quick for Badu. So maybe he'll figure it out and turn it around. But we also have to remember he's never played in AAA till right now. Like he got that rule five and he jumped straight up to the bigs. I think from I think he had a little double A action before that, straight up to the bigs. Did his thing, but now he's going to get some more seasoning, and uh, maybe it'll be for the benefit of everybody involved. A couple more here. Edward O, our buddy. It sucks. It sucks because he didn't get, like, the normal demotion we're used to with Edward O. He got hurt, and it's a bad one. He's going to be out for a little while here. And that just means uh, (laughs) we'll we'll do this all over again. See you later, buddy. Uh, Any thoughts on – because Edward, he was a popular – until he got hurt on Sunday, was a popular ad with Kansas City – but now it just kind of clears the door back for like Michael A. Taylor, Andrew Benintendi and company. Yeah, that was so brutal. I was I was ready to spend uh, quite a bit amount of money on Fab on Oliveris. I just had a I think seven game hitting streak uh, before he got hurt. Had that one huge breakout game where he went four for five, uh, two doubles, like, and was hitting leadoff every day in Kansas City. Like that was that was that was it. That was what he needed and. And that injury came at the worst possible time. So um, in terms of replacements, yeah, like Michael A, uh, maybe MJ Melendez gets a little more time at DH now. Just because... When he played right field the other night, too. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So maybe, I mean, they're kind of kind of scrapping. I, I was interested to see Kyle Isbell. He's, he's the one yeah. who's, you know, a little bit interesting to me just because there's, I think there's some power speed combination there, but he's just not playing enough. Like he's only playing as a lefty. He's only playing against righties and Kansas city has faced lefties three of the last five games. And Isbell's only played three of the last six um, in right field and a little bit of center. So Isbell's the one, if you start to see him in lineups and, and that sort of thing over the next um couple days that's someone who i might look to target this sunday and fab just because i think there's at least a heartbeat there as opposed to uh michael a taylor in center field yeah no that's an interesting one because isbel did get some pump going towards the beginning of the season and now he might get some mm-hmm. runs so that's that, that's a that's a good call with him because most will look at taylor and company so uh and taylor i loved in like dcs because as boring as he is he plays almost every game and gets you like 15 15 like in dcs he's the perfect late round pick 
you know, in other leagues, it's a little challenging at times, but uh, he, he gets the job done if you stick with him. So we'll see what Isbell can do if he gets a, a chance as well. All right, it's Bloomboard's time. Let's have some fun here. Over, under, pitching performers thus far. In order to talk about over-unders, Ryan picked out three categories. Babbitt, left on base, and home run per fly ball. Ryan, the floor is yours to explain this Bloomboard. All right. Over under performers. We're also going to, we're going to, we're going to keep with that over under theme tonight and, and make some calls, hold ourselves accountable. And let's see, let's see who wins this thing. Cause we're going to do an over under of a 375 ERA for whoever we talk about uh, for the rest of the season, starting today through the end of the year. Um, but yeah, to kind of set the floor for some of these boards, the, the three, what I call them basically are luck factors for for pitchers and there is some debate about this there are I, I i do believe there are some pitchers like walker bueller comes to mind um that can consistently out pitch their skills i don't think that's a skill that most pitchers have i think on the aggregate on the at the macro level and and years of research at at hq um this holds up is pitchers have very little control over batted balls outside of ground ball, line drive, fly ball. So Babbitt, um, left on base percentage and homer to fly ball are things that typically regress to league average and don't um, don't follow a pitcher's baseline. So what I mean by that is, is if somebody gives up, you know, the league average homer to fly ball rate right now is 10%. In the majors, if there's a pitcher who had a 15% homer to fly last year, 15% homer to fly two years ago. Our research has shown that he's still more likely to fall back to league average 10% than to keep that 15% homer to fly. So what I did with these is I used those three luck factors and I went with 16 overperformers, nine underperformers who what who are hitting the trifecta. So these are guys who have luckier than average Babbitt, luckier than average left on base percentage and a luckier than average homer to fly. And then for the underperformers, I did the opposite. So some really interesting names. The uh, the overperformers all have ERAs like under three because when you are this fortunate with your, with your batted ball luck, it's really hard to not have a bad ERA, even if you don't strike anybody out, which uh, some of these guys might not. Well, it, it's so fun to see this because, oh, yeah, he is on the underperformers list. I wanted to double check. I was going to say Brandon Woodruff is like the great example. You even tweeted out stuff today, and I've seen other stuff tweeted out recently. Is People look at like just this one line, but it's like you look at BABIPs, you look at uh, left on base rates, you, you just – Woodruff, we'll get into him. It's 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 not even close to the norm for him. Not even close. And But he's still striking everybody on the planet out. So, like, I'm confident in what's going on there. We'll get into him. But – some of these overperformers is fun because uh, in the Discord that I run for like DFS stuff, um, people go like, "Why do you keep targeting this pitcher?" And I'm like, "Because he is who he is," and um, that's the easiest way for me to say it. But I said, if you want to get into the metrics, regression is coming. Like it is coming. There's no way to pitch this well for this long. It might not happen today. It might happen tomorrow. But it's coming. And then when it happens, like, ah, oh, I got it. It makes sense now. Gotcha. I'm like, this is just how baseball works. Now these are gonna be bad, but. You can't pitch this well for this long. A bad start is coming, a.k.a. Siler McGill, like you started with. like He's still a very good pitcher. The bad start was coming. You had to bring him back up? Man, it was an easy on. example. It was an easy example. That's all I had to say. I apologize. I have him rostered, too, if it makes you feel any better. You hit the nail on the head. And the big thing, too, like in the, and the reason why we're talking about this now it, it is, you know, we heard all April how, you know, it's only April. It's a month. Let this thing wash out. 
if you're in a trading league, people are starting to get a little a little itchy. Uh, they're starting yep. to feel really good about their pitchers that have pitched absolutely great. And they're starting to get a little itchy on that. Maybe that Brandon Woodruff, who has been yep. terrible on the surface, but seems like the same exact guy beneath the surface. So it's around this time of year when I think you can really kind of hit this trade market and, and target some of these guys or sell some of these guys. Um, and the reason why I, why we're picking like a 375 ERA is, yeah, like it's easy to say, anyone in the world can say, Zach Gallen, is, he's not going to maintain a .95 ERA, right? Corbin Burns in his best season could not maintain a .95 ERA. That's not what we're saying. Um, the question is more just like how regress to what? Like how, how, how hard is that going to hit? Is he going to be a three ERA guy the rest of the way? Is he going to be a four ERA guy the rest of the way? I think that's where we really kind of want to dig in and, and see the true skills of these, some of these guys. For sure. Definitely. And yeah, and it's like you're saying is and I've told people this, like, well, I say regression, but there's positive, there's negative. And it's not meaning they're going to be horrible, but like, let's start with Michael Kopech, 0.93 ERA with a 214 BABIP, 83% left on base, 0% home run to fly ball. Like he might have like a three ERA, which is still outstanding, but to go from where he is to that, there's going to be a hiccup or two. That's just the way it's going to go. So the end of the line will still be very good, but the regression is going to hurt a couple times along the way. So with Michael Kopech, what do you got when you look at these numbers? Because um, the bad bips insane. The K to walk at only 15%, which is, which is surprising because you expect a, a little wider gap in the K to walk if he had control, but he doesn't, obviously. So how do you see with Kopech? Kopech, I, I, I kind of gave him a pass a little bit early on because one of the first things we look at is, and we've done episodes on this, is changes in in velocity and fastball velocity. And Kopech was one of the top guys who lost fastball velocity. But you look at the context, he went from the bullpen to uh, the starting rotation. And so I expect if he wants to go deeper in the game, he's not going to go all the way out and you would expect a couple mile an hour drop. So I gave a little bit too much, I think, credit to him for that. There are a lot of kind of troublesome, troubling signs beneath the surface. The big thing for me is the whiff rate. 10.9% swinging strike is actually below average for um, four starting pitchers. And then you look at the walk rate has spiked up a lot. And this is pretty much all smoke and mirrors, a 214 BABIP and, and no home runs on the season. And the last thing is, um Kovac hasn't really like he's he's worked on the curveball a little bit on his third pitch he's only throwing it 14 percent, but he's still so fastball heavy 66 percent fastball usage we're projecting a uh, rest of season era for Kopech of 385 at hq and i'm gonna stick with that i'm gonna say Kopech the rest of the season that even though he has a 0.93 era I, i'm gonna take the over on a 375 the rest of the year and that's not even kind of taking into account the volume concerns that may strike in the second half as well. So I'm taking the over uh, for Kopech. You know, what's pretty crazy is you look at his, his uh, underlying numbers here, 0.93 ERA, 399 Sierra, 424 XFIP. So it's kind of in line with what you're saying. He's, he's getting the job done, but there's a lot of skepticism on how he's getting the job done. And you look at what he's, you know, like you said, what he's doing, he's getting, you know, the good numbers you're hoping for, but, it's not the elite numbers and you got the left on base rate and all that other goodies. It's a uh, walking guys 11 and a half percent of the time is never going to cut it. It's, I don't care how long you're out there. It's going to eventually come up and bite you in the butt. And that's going to be a problem. So Michael Kopech, we have Bloomfield with the over and the volume is the biggest question I have in the second half. And the volume could keep it under, which is interesting. If he's, if he, this is a tough one. 
I'm going to go just to be different. I'm going to go under on this one, but I'm very nervous about it. It's going to be close. Like all the, the rest of season projections have them between three, seven and three, eight. So it's a great rest of season projection. It's right on the number we're talking about. So I'm going to go under Ryan Bloomfield. We got to disagree on a few of these guys. So that's good. We can't make it it super simple. That's for sure. Um, Let's have fun with this next one. I'm not going to go down the list for all of these. Ryan tweeted this, this bloom board out, but this is a fun one because I think we've talked about him at least every other episode now. Michael Walker, the dude, like you got me turned on to him before the season started as a late round pick because he has the two starts in like leagues. I'm like, okay, cool. I got like my 30th round pick. I was taking him everywhere. It worked out great. It worked out just like planned. The thing is, he's still doing it, but it's confusing because it's a 162 Babbitt, but 94% left on base. Hate to break it, D folks, not sustainable. And an 8% home run to fly ball. So, and an 8% percent k to walk like this is just abysmal numbers in the grand scheme of things so uh, i know my answer already how are you looking at to michael walker i'm worried about the injuries too like i mean yeah. he's on the he's on the il right now intercostal strain so like i can just so does he see... stay under does he stay under because of that yeah just just by <laughs> by default he he just he's out for the season so i win if i say under um no i'm gonna go over this is uh i i, I mentioned this last week where like i was big on waka as like a 26 or 27th round starting pitcher a couple good matchups at the beginning of the season you looked at the surface stats like yeah victory lap but no it's it's a lot of bad stuff beneath the surface the biggest thing for me is just the strikeout rate single digit whiff rate like the the k's are not there he is putting the ball in play way too often and the other thing which um you know kind of the elephant in the room here if we're talking rest of season era what's that ball going to look like um in the summertime are we going to switch balls are we gonna have this bowling ball anymore where the league average era will shoot up over four if it does but anyway uh that's a whole separate thing but i'm taking the over on on waka i'm guessing you are too yeah i'm taking the over this is a a quick one for me and part of it's because i dropped him everywhere so he needs to go over now because i'm very bitter about missing these other starts but it's also it's it's the whole like the the same people have it's they're empty starts like okay the ratios are good but there's like no strikeouts he's i don't even know if he's getting wins right now i'd have to go look every two seconds but he's just they're boring empty starts with michael walker and eventually that train's going to come to an end so yeah i'll take the over as well um let's go to zach gallon let's go to zach gallon this is a guy that people were excited coming into the season because uh you were one of the proponents saying he pitched more innings than anybody in the second half of the season health should be good and there's like some concerns early on about health but he powered through that and now he's got a 0.95 ERA, a 2.16 BABIP, an 88% left on base, and a 0% home on the fly ball, but a 20% K to walk, which in my book, 20% or better is pretty dang good, pretty close to elite type stuff. So he's doing some stuff very well and also getting very lucky in other avenues, Ryan. How do you look at Zach Gallon? Gallon's like, yeah, he's the poster child for this 375 mark. Cause so steamer rest of season has gallon at a 395 ERA zips has gallon at a 383 and then the bat at 373. So all the projection systems on fan graphs are right there for me. It's I'd like to see a few more whiffs, but I'm taking the under, I think gallon's good enough to hold this under with, like you said, Bubba, the, the key metric that I'm looking for. And if you've just got one metric to look at, to evaluate these guys so far, it is that strikeout minus walk rate and 20% is really good. A lot of that is driven by, I think an unsustainable walk rate. Like the control has been really good for Zach Gallon, 3.7 walk rate when in his, 
career, he's a 9% guy. So I think the walk rate's going to come up, but I do think he's capable of missing more bats than he has been so far this season. So I'm taking the under on Zach Gallen, maybe like a 350-ish ERA uh, the rest of the season. Obviously nowhere near .95, so a sell high, absolutely. But um, your trade partners are smarter than they used to be as well. Like everyone knows Zach Allen is, is not this good, but I, I think 350, I think he beats uh, those, those fan graph projections. It's a tough one. This is really tricky. Cause like I've witnessed the Zach Gallon disasters. And then we saw like the, even when he's hurt, he pitched really well. So it's, it's tough. And he, and like you said, is I love the K to walk numbers. Like that's a thing, even at first pitch Arizona last year, when Eno was talking, I got on a, a rabbit hole of just searching K to walk guys on fan graphs. And I started talking with Pollock and Spore afterwards, and I'm going through a whole thing on different guys that stood out. And that's how I kind of started focusing on some late round picks. And if, if he's getting 20% K to walk, and again, the walks might be the lucky part. That's great. He's got the 0% home run of fly ball. And even with all the humidor talk, Arizona had a humidor last year and it was very pitcher friendly. So that's like, we, 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 we talk about certain stadiums because you know, like when, 80%, 85% all have humidors for the first time. Arizona's not one of those. Like, we've seen what they do with the humidor, so we can't just, like, blame it on that. This is a tricky one. Like, I want to be different than you to keep this really fun, but I think if anybody, out of a handful of guys on this list, he feels like one that can kind of outperform some of the other metrics. Now, I'll be honest, he's not like the, you know, 88% left on base isn't even that far off. Like, he's not... I'm going to go under. I'm gonna, Instead of blabbering over and over again, I'm going to go under, but this is one of the close ones. This is a really tricky one. So I'm going to go under, and I hate it because we agreed on this one. And he's in the NL West, which really sucks. But I'm going to go under on that one as well. And I'm keeping a log, folks. So we are going to re- revisit oh, yeah. this I, situation. I, I'm keeping. I'm also keeping a log in our dot. Yeah. We're going to compare, make sure this is uh, this is tight because we might have to we might have to throw a little wager on this in Arizona this fall. Yeah, whoever, this might uh, be you know who's buying beers at the uh, Fall Stars game. Like this is this is fun stuff. It's on important this stuff. Yeah, or who 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 doesn't get the drink for the live show? I don't know. Just throwing it out. There. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's talk Miles Mikolas because this is the dude that um, Toby's been on forever. I finally jumped on board like week two of Fab, and I've been rolling with them because my biggest concern coming into the season is he doesn't strike guys out. Well, now he's close to a K per nine, which is at least respectable and doable. Like you can work with that with Miles Mikolas. He's also got a 244 Babbitt, an 89% left on base, and a 5% home run to fly ball. He's still walking too many guys, but he's getting the job done for now on a team with a good good defense behind him and a pitcher's ballpark. So what do you got on Miles Mikolas? Sorry, Bubba. Sorry, Toby. Sorry, Toby. Yeah, Toby. I have no problem cutting bait. He's, like, invested. <laughs> and as well, he should. I saw he had a screenshot the other night. He's got Mikolas on, like, 20 teams. Yeah. Um, which is amazing. One forty nine. He drafted, he drafted like, him. I yeah. fab picked him up. Big difference. <laughs> Big difference. Big difference. I I, I want to believe that there's some change here. Like yes, there's some uptick in walk rate from from 2021. Um, or sorry, in in strikeout rate. But and there's some pitch mix change there. So like you're starting to kind of build towards that. He's throwing more sliders, throwing more curveballs. This season, but you look at the swing strike rate, seven and a half percent. I mean, he's just not he's not missing anything. And, you know, he gets ground balls, but not to an extreme, not, you know, not it gets a lot better once you're over like 50, approaching 55 percent. And Michaelis is only at 48.8 percent right now. So um, all the projection systems have him right around four ERA the rest of the season. And so that's where I'm going to side. I'm taking the over 375. 
This is fun because I agree with everything you said, but then I look at his schedules more often than not, and it's Pirates and the Dreadful Reds. Even Great American Small Park, still the Dreadful Reds. Like, the division is so beyond bad. Like, so bad. And, oh, man, this is tricky. This is tricky because the one thing Nicholas did well, Michaelis did well, you didn't strike guys out, was ratios were always pretty good. His ratios were pretty good. So you took the over. I'm going to take the under. I'm going right. to take the under, and I don't like it at all, but I'm taking the under because I think there's something here. I think there's something. I, I agree the swinging strike rate is less than ideal, less than ideal in a big way. But the pitch mix change and the ability to strike guys out, I'm going to take my chances with Miles Mikolas on this one. All I right. You're wrong, but, but that's, that's I right. could be. Because I, th- I think some of that you're trying to be a little different. How about these next couple of ones? You, you'll go first, and then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll rebut. Well, I'll let you pick, pick the next one. Oh, oh, did you pick? Oh, man. All right. Yeah. Um, overperformer. Let's go. Let's go Joe Ryan, who I'm, I'm fascinated <laughs> in. So some of these guys, like Urias is on there. I think yep. I think Urias goes under just because he's, he's kind of outpitched it before. Joe Ryan's someone I'm really interested in. Uh, I don't have any of Joe Ryan. Excellent start. 256 ERA. How much of that is driven by a 228 Babbitt, a 5% homer to fly? Uh, what do you take? What are you thinking with 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 Joe? Man, like, I know it's it's not always the best to look at like those long term numbers. Like you know, you got that two five six area. He's got a four three xFIP. Like that's that's a jump. That's a jump. And um, Sierra's even high. And you look at just the overall metrics. Twelve percent swinging strike is outstanding. I'm not gonna knock that. His contact rates are pretty low. He's getting guys to chase outside the zone. Ooh, this is tricky because he he's he's. He gets off. He gets gets away with the fastball. In his last couple of starts, he has not gotten away with the fastball, but he keeps the ball in the ballpark, as you mentioned, the home run to fly ball. Um, this is a tricky one with Joe Ryan. I am going to go over three seventy five. I think there's gonna be some hiccups in that division. I'm gonna go over three seventy five with Joe Ryan. What say you? I unfortunately agree with you. Um, <laughs> I, I I lean more towards. Yeah, uh, FIP takes a little bit more of the the home run control into account than XFIP does, which pretty yeah. much regresses everyone back to league average, and that's why there's that kind of big gap between those two. Um, but I, I lean always a little bit more to that home run luck coming back. So uh, you know, things look pretty good for Joe Ryan. I, the other, I mean, the other thing is we're going to get more of a book on him the the second third time that he starts facing. Know. Uh, a lot of these uh, major league opponents. So I'm going to, I'm going to go over. I think teams are going to start to kind of figure out uh, what he's doing and I'll, I'll agree with the projection systems who all have him around a four. I'm pulling up what HQ has for Joe Ryan as we speak for the rest of season ERA. We've got him yet yeah, 407. So um, I'll take the over too. All right. Let's have some fun with this one. Cause I was out all draft season on Pablo Lopez because of his shoulder injury. All like he was just a cross off my list. I'll go on elsewhere, is what it is. Boy, have I been wrong. That's just the best way I could put it. An ERA of one, uh, 247 Babbitt. You know, like it's good, it's not horrible. Like he's not getting super lucky, it's it's good. Um, 88% left on base, four percent homer to fly ball pitches in a very good pitcher's ballpark. Got to remember that too. And a 20% K to walk, like an ERA of one, not sustainable, but ERA of 375, Ryan. That is the question. Under, 
I mean, I, I love Pablo Lopez. I had Pablo Lopez on a lot of teams last year and ultimately did get burned by the shoulder and, and those concerns and, and have been totally off of Pablo Lopez coming into this season because I was just, I mean, shoulder injuries scare the crap out of me. And, and maybe this is someone who won't qualify. I don't, I don't know if we have a qualifier. Maybe we, we don't, we'll but to throw like we'll do a gentleman's agreement. If something happens, like we, we can make it amicably agreements on this. Yeah. Um, I mean, Lopez started out rough 2019, but in 2020, 361 ERA, 307 ERA last season. And swinging strikes are up. Um, you know, he's got great movement on the cutter. His fastball is great. Gets, uh, gets, gets ground balls. He, everything looks great to me. No, he's not going to have a one ERA, but I could see him being, I mean, I, I'd be aggressive with, with Lopez. Like, I think he's, a, he's going to teeter on a three ERA the rest of the season. So um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Pablo Lopez. I think he's going to crush a 375. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I guess it, I, that's what's frustrating because I loved Pablo Lopez last year. Everything about the guy, it was just like the reports on the shoulder injury. I'm like, I, it's terrified me. Absolutely terrified me on what's going on. And it's like the old Pianowski and everybody else, like any smart analyst goes, like, guys are getting injured already. Why draft an injured player? Well, either the reports are bad or what happened, but he's fine right now. Now, could he get hurt tomorrow? Yes, in two seconds. But he's pitching through it right now, so I'll take the under as well. I just would you to bring would that you take would you take over under at three three flat ERA for for Pablo? I'll take over. All right, so we'll, we'll, three... we'll, we'll we'll say you're over on that one with 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 three ERA. Just so we're a little bit different. Yeah, three's three's tough. Tough. Three's tough. Three is three, tough. Three is tough. Three is really tough. Like that's he's still a I, to me he's still a really good pitcher if he's like three one. Let's put it that way. So like there's nothing against him at all if he gets to three. So especially if it heats up in the Southwest there against the Braves and stuff, there could be a bad day. There could be a de- bad day coming. That's just the way it works. But I think he's still pretty solid. Before we go to underperformers, any other overperformers you wanted to discuss, or do you want to move on to the underperformers? Um. No, I think we're good. I, I was going to bring up Tyler Anderson, but I think he's an over because he gave up, I think, seven runs as we speak to yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, and so that's already starting off um, not well. So the regression train came early on this one. It's our it's already arrived. I mean, a um, couple other guys on there, like Kershaw shows up on the list, a 180 ERA, yeah. like really good peripherals. But again, I think he is one of those guys and a 27% strikeout minus walk rate. Like I'm not messing with that. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I think, I think the other guys on here are all pretty, pretty obvious. Like Jose Quintana, I think. Yeah. That regression train is going to be amazing when it hits. It's going to be glorious. Like eruptions going off in Pittsburgh when that takes place. Yeah, um, let's, let's, pivot to, to let's pivot to the under underperformers. Underperformers, and I hinted at him. I don't think we need to talk a lot about Brandon Woodruff. I think we're kind of on the same page on Brandon Woodruff. So just want to let people know, like, go check out the chart or the bloom board that, that that Ryan put out there. But don't panic yet, guys. Like, stay stay the course with Brandon Woodruff. That's all. That's all I have to say. So let's talk about some other guys here, real quick, though. Um, Nick Pavetta. This has been a popular name, a popular name that's thrown out there because the velocity's up. He's still getting strikeouts. He's shown signs of life. I, I love the Pavetta truthers. Like, first two innings weren't great, but the last three were awesome. Like, we have hope here. Like, you've seen that everywhere on Twitter. It's been great. But, you know, the 608 ERA, 356 Babbitt's pretty freaking wild. 68% left on base, 13% home run to fly ball, and only a 13% K to walk. And his strikeout stuff's pretty legit. So, if he can get the control under, that should. At least I'd say go 16, 17% at least, at least. So what's your thoughts on Pavetta? He's at a 6.08 ERA right now. Does he get to 3.75 or lower the rest of the way? 
That's going to be tough for Pavetta. However, I am going to take the under. Um, what we've seen from Pavetta in his last few starts looks really good. A little bit, a couple tweaks to the to the pitch mix. Actually, lower velocity in his last couple starts, but I think that's by design. 13 strikeouts to no walks at Baltimore and versus the White Sox. So I'm going to take the under. I don't know why. Like, I have been completely burned by Nick Pavetta in the past, and he has a career ERA of 520. So I'm kind of talking myself out of it while we do it. I'm still going to take the under. I like what we've seen um, from Pavetta. And so I'm going to go out on somewhat of a leap of faith and take the under 375. I hope you're right for some of the shares I have in DCs and whatnot, because I keep throwing them out there. But uh, I'm going to go over just because I think he'll still be much better than what we're seeing right now. I'm not going to knock that at all. But just uh, the lazy answer to that division, playing the Jays, playing the Yankees, like there's going to be a certain games. Like we are Evaldi truthers, Ryan. And there's still certain games like his last start where you're just like, it happens. Like it happens. It's just the way it's going to go. These guys throw gas, they get strikeouts. Every once in a while, you miss your location enough, and these these big boys in the East are going to take you to town. Just how it's going to go. So I'm going to take the over on Nick Pavetta, but I I think it's more like around four four one. Like so, he gets a good drop, good drop. I don't know if he gets a three seven five. So that's my my call. Yeah, I'm already not feeling good about that one, but that's okay. <laughs> you I'll, I'll, I'll stick with it. You never went on a whim. I'll give you credit. Um, let's have some more fun with this. Let's go to everyone's preseason favorite, Mitch Keller. 6'11 ERA, 331 BABIP, 65% left on base, 12% home run of fly ball, only an 11% K to walk, which, you know, the preseason video, the spring training stuff, it was strikeouts, gas, all this stuff. There's been like small glimmers of that, but we haven't seen it put together for a full start yet. So are you optimistic or not? I, I'm not. And I, I really did want to. I, I did kind of fall for not not just fall for the video, but fall for the kind of the sustained velocity, which he which I mean, Keller has held the velocity games yep. this season. Um, what I like to see, though, with just, you know, not just the fastball velocity, but is it leading to more strikeouts? It's not strikeout rate is flat at 19 percent. Is there maybe he's getting a little bit unlucky? Is he getting more whiffs than he did in the past? Technically, yes. But he went from terrible 8.2% swing strike rate last season to just bad uh, 9.5% this season. So despite the increase in velocity, um, I'm just not seeing it from Mitch Keller. I want to believe it, but I think he's more of a kind of mid four ZRA guy um, and almost kind of a, a, a streamer at this point, depending on matchups in that division. So I'm definitely taking the over uh, with Mitch. I'm going to take the over as well, and you hit on all the big points. So what I want to mention is we said it with Pavetta. Like, you took the under. I took the over, but I said, like, a good 4-1. You even said with with Keller, like, you know, 4-1, 4-2. That's still very good regression from where they're at. So that makes them at least, you know, like, you right. stream, yep. streamers, streamer options. It's the old saying, like, with the guys that start the season well, start the season bad, but you don't get those stats. You're looking for what's going ahead. So – you know, these guys might not be great, but you might get some much better starts than what they've been producing. Yeah. So and you look on I, the surface, like, yeah. yeah, I agree. I mean, you saw so you saw Mitch Keller last year, 617 ERA. You're someone someone in your league says, Oh, he was this, you know, this idiot Bloomfield said he's a sleeper and and so I'm gonna pick him back. I'm gonna pick him up, I'm gonna draft him. Six eleven ERA, I'm cutting bait. Um 
like, yeah, he's going to be a lot better and has been a lot better than what we've seen so far. It's just uh, league average or 375. That's a lot to ask given what we've seen. Yeah, so, exactly. So that's point. why I just want to clarify that because I'm like looking at this underperformers list. And I think they're all going to be better, but I'm trying to find one where we're like, besides Brandon Woodruff, that's like, okay, we're all taking the under on this one. It's tough to find, but um, I think they're all going to be better. Let's put it that way. Uh, let's talk Steven Matz. He got a bunch of strikeouts on Thursday. Didn't quite get the performance you would like in the end, but a 701 ERA with a 395 Babbitt, 62% left on base, 18% home run to fly ball. But again, the 19% K to walk is near elite. And he showcased that again on Thursday. St. Louis, Pitchers Park, good defense. Do we expect enough positive regression from 701, though, to get to 375? I think barely and maybe we should have gone like four for four era for some of these guys yeah we um, might have more involved for, for sure i think matt's is at least close enough that i'll say with a, a little bit more luck that he'll get under 375 most of the projection system steamers got him at a 391 era for the rest of the season um but today was like a microcosm gave up th- of his season uh gave up th- i think three runs but seven strikeouts no walks uh, the swing strike rate is way up from 9% up to 12% uh, this season. So I, I, I like what I see with Matt. You mentioned the defense. I think he's going to be close enough that I'll mix it up a little bit and go under. Um, and that's and that's huge, under 375. That's an ERA cut in half of his seven right now. So um, I'm I'm not worried at all about Steven Matz for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think you can go under too. At worst, I think you're going to get a very, very solid pitcher the rest of the way, especially in like 15 team or deeper. I got to have, he's probably already rostered. I'm not going to be silly, but uh, he's going to have some 12 team viability coming forward here for sure. So I'll take the under two. I'm giving you the option right now. We could do this at this moment. I, I, I drew a line in the sand on my chart here for the over performers. We can keep it at 375. Do you want to go four for the underperformers? We can redo our three guys. We talked real quick. Let's do the four. Let's do the four. Okay. So Nick Pavetta over under four. I had under 375, so, so thanks, for good. The, thanks for the cushion. So you're good. With the four, though, I'll take the under as well because that's where I was saying he's like close to like four, four, one. So I'll take the under. I'll, I'll get a little more aggressive with Pavetta and go under four. Mitch Keller over under four. I said mid four, so I'll stick with that. Yeah, I'll stick with over just because he's going to be better, but I, I still expect a few blow-ups. There's going to be some Mitch because that's his biggest thing. When he can't locate, he gets the fastball gets hit. That's just, that's just what Mitch Keller does. Now, the fun one, Stephen Matz, we both took under 375, so I think we're good there. But I wanted to change it for one of the last ones we'll discuss here because at least brings these guys back into question. And I wanted to bring up Herman Marquez because we already know that Herman Marquez, Coors Field, duh, that got simple. We've seen seasons where Herman Marquez on the roads elite, uh, home's rough. We've seen the home be okay. Like We've seen up and downs with Herman Marquez. But when he's on, he's a very, very good pitcher. Six five six four seven ERA three sixty five BABIP eleven percent K to walk is way below the norm for Herman Marquez twenty two percent home run to fly ball. Do you see anything that gets you to think under four from that six four seven, or is Marquez potentially broken the rest of the way? No, and I and I've been a I in the past I've been huge on Marquez like his skills from twenty eighteen through like twenty twenty I I think were were excellent and I was I was just kind of waiting for him to get traded waiting waiting or waiting for the results to catch up to the skills and it just kind of never happened well now the skills are starting to deteriorate um, you look at the the swinging strike rate which has always been above average always been over twelve percent is down to eight point eight 
percent right now, and the whiffs have tanked as well. So he's kind of deserved uh, the the lack of strikeouts, and I don't see too much of that coming back. So I see kind of more of like a Mitch Keller type mid four ZRA for Marquez the rest of the way, and I, that's something I never thought I'd say a couple of years ago because I was super high on uh, on Marquez. Yeah, no, I'm with you because I, I was drafting. I actually picked up Marquez in 12 teamers last year and, and did the whole, you know, road home sit starts. And the thing that I always loved about him was the strikeout rate. No matter how bad he would be runs wise, he'd still get you at least a K for nine, if not better. Like he would figure that out. Like you mentioned this year, it's, it's, it's rough. It's rough. And, you know, you don't go, people get mad when you see like the blues and the red lines on Savant, but. It ain't pretty for Herman Marquez when you load that page right now. It's, it's ice cold on Herman Marquez, which is very off the norm. But I pulled it up because I want to see what his velo has been looking like. Um, and this year, fastballs at 94.7. He's 94.8 last year, so that's about the same. But he's given up a 404 batting average on the fastball this year, 336 XBA last year, 275. Like that's a big difference. Tons of like it's just his fastball's getting crushed. Everything across the board, slugs, wobas, you name it, it's getting destroyed right now. Uh, compared to his other pitches and compared to seasons past. So he's either not locating this to take a much deeper dive than I'm prepared for right now. He's either just locating it poorly or it's just super hittable right now. Because the velocity, I was expecting like a drop, it's about the same. So it's not the velocity. So just speculating, he's just locating it poorly. That'd be my speculation. I could be totally off, but they've almost doubled their numbers in the production off the fastball. And that's not good. Even the even the X stats for regression aren't great. 375, still not going to cut it. So I'm with you. I'm nervous for him, and I think he's over a four. So I just wanted to bring him up because I, I've heard him on discussed on other shows recently, and I want and he showed up on this chart. So I want to see what your thoughts were because I'm with you. I was a Marquez guy. I'm like, okay, like I believe in what he's got. Get traded. We'll have some fun. And now I don't even know if they can trade him right now. So it's it's going to be tricky for Herman Marquez. Yeah. All right. Any other underperformers you'd like to discuss before a couple listener questions? So we did the 3.0 ERA for Pablo Lopez. Let's go back to Woodruff. Would you do over? Because I think the question people want to know is like, yeah. so yeah, you can probably get him at a, at a at a discount, quote unquote. But should you pay for kind of what you paid on draft day? Um, Great question. And I think that's the that's where that over under lies of three with Woodruff. Where would you go with with him at a three ERA? Compared to his five nine seven, I mean that's like, that's cutting it in half. It is cut. That's a big cut, but like with Woody, the, the strikeouts, the swinging strikes, all the stuff you want to see is there. I'll take the under, just for the fact that what we've seen from Woody in the past, like I've made this statement many times, and people might think I'm crazy, especially with the start of this season. If Corbin Burns wasn't Corbin Burns, we'd be talking so much more about Brandon Woodruff last year. Like he was elite last year, but Corbin Burns just overshadowed the world. Now I might be overthinking it. So would you go over under three? Even you're taking the under, even though his last four games, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati. I know it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. I'm just, tr- I'm trusting the overall, like what we're seeing, like quote unquote stuff from him. And I'm hoping it's something different. I could be totally wrong. If he's broken, I'm going to be sad. But the fact he's still striking guys out, I, Woodruff's a guy that can easily put up like four straight starts of sevens with no runs. I would not be shocked, no matter who he faces. I'm going to take the under. I'm going to go on a limb here. I'm taking the under. I'm, t- I'm guessing by your statement, you're taking the over. No, I was just trying to bait you to take the over. I'm <laughs> taking the under too. I, I wanted to. I wanted to see if you would uh, 
if you would go over that because the schedule i mean the schedule, i, I kind of said that half uh half kidding but the schedule has been really kind to brandon woodruff and he hasn't delivered yeah. but um um no i'm not worried at all the velocity is down a tick but he's not still much. missing tons of bats uh with the fastball the changeup's been great like it's just a minor uptick in walk rate and still throwing as many strikes as he always has been. That was kind of the, the ethos of my tweet. So um, I'm taking the under Brandon Woodruff three ERA the rest of the season, which means I think if you're in a trading league, you should pay for his draft. You know, price. yeah, his draft price. And I don't think you're going to have to pay that much to get him anyway. So um, not yeah, that, concerned that, at a, all. Let me, let me let me throw like, I'm going to throw some speculative things out here before we do listeners because you're talking trades. I don't think enough people talk about trades because most people focus on NFBC and a lot of people play in trades leagues. I get a lot of DMs about it. You play get questions about it. And um, a popular name right now because of how well he's performed is Carlos Rodon. And people can get a haul for Carlos Rodon right now because he's been great. There's no sugarcoat in that. Would you go Woodruff or Rodon straight up? Uh, that is that's a really good question. Um before I answer that question, I will lay out, I will play politician here and lay out. I mean, I think it's just how, how do you trust road? Like for on a per game basis, I'm taking Rodon. Like, yeah. he, I mean, how he healthy do you think Rodon so stays is what it comes down to. Exactly. Um, yeah. On a per game basis, it's Rodon. I'm going to lean Rodon. I, I didn't, I, I thought no way I would say this like a month ago when the season just yeah. started, but I'm going to lean Rodon and trust that, uh, things stay intact with yeah. health at least for a couple more months and and i mean you've watched him with the giants like he looks like one of the i mean if not the best pitcher in baseball right now so um, i'll go rodon just because i think he's that good and i'm willing to kind of stick my neck out if you get three more months of what he's been doing that's a league winner so um, yeah. I'll, I'll go rodon over woodruff but um yeah never thought i'd say that i'm with you for anyone that's listened to my content for the last few years now i'm a diehard giants fan as people know last year i was fade kevin gossman because i didn't think the splitter could stick and i was fade rodon this year because i think he'd stay healthy long ways to go this year but so far i'm looking like a healthy o for two on those so and but i'm always very pessimistic about my giants that's a, that's, that's up front on the situation so going into next year keep an eye on who i'm saying and draft the crap out of them is what it comes down to um the another question on this one because i think it's a fun one um would you go Brandon Woodruff with the positive regression or the conundrum known as Walker Bueller. I'll go Woodruff. Yeah. I'll I'm with Woodruff. you. I'm with you. 100%. I, I, I'm, I did mention like, and maybe I'll backtrack a little bit. I did mention Bueller as like an example of someone who has outpitched his peripherals for quite some time now. And that yeah. I, I think there is something to that on a few guys and especially someone like Bueller, but uh, the underlying skills with Bueller are starting to erode a little bit, and I and, and they're not with Woodruff. So yeah, I would take Woodruff rest of season over Walker Bueller. Okay, last one I have for you because we could do this all night, but this isn't even really a trade situation. But who has the lower ERA to finish the season? You got Woodruff at five nine seven, and you got his teammate who's annoying the the snot out of people, Freddie Peralta, who's at four four zero right now. Uh, so. End of Woodruff season ERA, Peralta, like accounting. Who has, lo- who has the lower ERA at the end of the season? Uh, not from today forward. So like Woodruff is already is already two, had, two runs it, behind. Yeah, he's already two runs behind. Who has the lower of wow. Peralta and Woodruff? Um, I'll go Woodruff. If I'm saying if I'm saying Woodruff's going to be under three ERA the rest of the season, um, I'm going to take Woodruff. I love it. I love That's it. Good one, I like that. 
It's a man that stays by his name because I like both these guys a lot going into the season. For all time. they've both been just like uh, both great matchups, obviously, same schedules. And you're just like, what in the world are we doing? And both of them are striking guys out. So the peripherals look really good on both of those two. So I just want that's one reason why I wanted to bring Peralta up. He didn't check all the boxes for the 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 board here, but I know people are frustrated with Freddie Peralta also. I get that a lot in like just even DFS circles. Like, why are you playing him? Just trust me, he's better than what's going on right now. Might yeah. not Woodruff's much better than what's going on. Peralta's still better as well. Like there's I think Peralta stuff. didn't make it because the left on base, but or yeah. sorry, no, because of the uh the homer to fly is only four percent. He's yeah. so He's been uh, he's been really lucky with the home run luck, but the the bab up and left on base have been have been brutal. So perfect, perfect. All right, we've got a couple of listener questions, and we'll rock on out of here. Kenny Davis asks, "How would you rank these guys going forward?" And he has all of them rocker on his team: Jesus Lazardo, Patrick Sandoval, Alex Cobb. Um, I'll go Sandoval, Cobb, Lazardo. I was going to go Cobb, Sandoval, Lazardo. That was mine. I'm still very skeptical on Lazardo. I both have them last. Yeah, like I, yeah. the walk rate for me is yep. is is a concern. Um, yeah, the stuff's elite, but the control is a whole other spectrum with him. Yeah, yeah. He kind of is what Freddie Peralta was like a year or two ago. That's the best analogy I can give. If you want young pitchers with like really good, really good talent, you just got to fine tune that a little bit more. Yep. Um, and from like a volume standpoint too, he's never thrown hundred innings in the majors. Uh, I know that's, I mean, kind of a little bit, both sides, double-edged sword, like obviously volumes a concern with Alex Cobb as well, but I think he uh, strings it together just enough to, um, to keep there. All right. The listener question made on VR earlier, Eric Samolsky, uh, multi winner, FS FSWA writer of the year type candidate goodies. Let's talk about VR. I know people were in on him preseason, but he's been brutal. Horner injury just opened up time, Horner and Madrigal. But will it? Is it even worth it? I think it is for now. Like, run with it. If it doesn't pan out, so be it. But tell me who else you're picking up that could could do what VR can do. Like, that, we talked about at the beginning, but, yeah. like, it's tough. That's exactly it. Like, how many difference makers are, if he's available on your, on your wire, how many difference makers? I mean... VR has been a $35 player twice already uh, with the 60 steals in 2016, the 40 steals in 2019. Like that just does not show up um, in fab. And so you need to take a shot. And if it doesn't work out, if it, if he does get this extended playing time, it's been two to three weeks and there's still nothing there. Um, You could be a little bit more aggressive with the drop, but I, like I said earlier, it's been intermittent playing time. Let him get in the groove now that he's going to play every day and let's see what happens over these next few weeks. But uh, I would be aggressive with VR. All right. Mike John Ray asks Spencer Strider. Could he be valuable in 12s? I think he can be. I think he'd be very valuable. I think, I think your dog thinks he can be too. Um, yeah, they have some, some stride. They're, they're striding yeah. towards the door right now. I think someone just knocked on the. It's all good. I get it all the time. Um, I like Strider a lot. I picked him up in a lot of leagues the last, I actually had him a couple weeks ago, picked him up some more this week. I'm still speculating, but I think there's there's something coming there that's going to be fantasy goodness. I might be overconfident. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on Spencer Strider? No, he's. I mean, things are going according to plan with Strider. Like his last uh, appearance, I'm not going to say start, but his last appearance was 69 pitches against Milwaukee, eight Ks, four innings. Like uh, he stretches out just a little bit more, and I think I think you're golden there. I mean, the swing strikes 16. percent He's throwing gas with a 98 mile an hour heater um 
that's again a Braves pitching organization that has obviously done great things with Max Fried with with Kyle Wright so far this season. That's an organization that knows what they're doing. So you kind of put all those pieces together, and I think you take somewhat of a leap of faith that that Strider is going to get stretched out even more, and that that plan is going to continue to work. Yeah, what do you mean they know what they're doing? Kyle Wright just got shelled, Ryan. Like we can't yeah, we can't be right. doing this. <laughs> Yeah. All right, last last listener question we have here is Joe G asks, he needs a catcher. Kirk, Narvaez, Haim. We talked about Haim early on the show. Which one of the three do you pick up? Um, I'm taking I'm taking Haim. And we yeah, we yeah. we hit on him earlier. With with Kirk, it's more like I think Danny Jansen's gonna be back pretty soon, it sounds like from that oblique. So I think that's gonna gonna start to cut into Kirk's playing time and Narvaez is just kind of okay 250 batting average two homers kind of is who he is at this point so i'd go heim in the short term and then if you need to keep on going joe like you know even if um heim goes back to kind of being the second catcher in texas just start streaming those second catchers and 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 look at the weekly matchups who's playing who's got seven games how much are are lefty righty because a lot of these uh catcher platoons are lefty righty um, and you can kind of do it on a week by week basis if you're willing to put that time in and 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 do it. I've I've done that on a lot of teams where my second catcher is just kind of a throwaway, and I'm just streaming based on matchups that week. 100. percent Like, and the, the the bad thing is I love all these catchers, like especially preseason. I think Kirk's the better hitter. Jansen's Jansen's been playing well though, and he's coming back, and they want the defense. So you're right, he's going to get the time. The thing with Narvaez, which is frustrating, him and Caratini are almost in a 50 50 platoon. Like it's not even almost righty lefty. It's almost straight up 50 50 with them. And that's the frustrating part. It's working out well for him because it keeps them both healthy and they're playing. So you got to go Heim right now. Like we talked about, if he can play even five out of seven days a week, like you take that and run with it, see where it goes. If you got a platoon later, the one thing I'll say, you didn't mention him. So he might not be available, but I am, I don't do a lot of prospect ads, but if MJ Melendez is available, please grab him. That's the one thing I'll say. Like he might not be, he probably should be gone by now, but just in case just in case I want to mention it because I think he's going to play nearly every day. The fact they put him in right field, they're DHing him. They are trying to find ways to keep his bat in the lineup. And I would, that's the, like we talk about in the preseason, like the JTRs and all these guys that can DH play first base. Like they play 150 games a year at catcher. That's elite. Melendez can do that potentially. If they keep doing what they're doing with him, he's pretty much playing every day. So I think that's one you should look at. If you can, he's probably not available. But I just want to throw it out because yeah. I get questions on some guys with people that drop certain guys in leagues, and it blows my mind who's available in some leagues. So if he's available. Like, and I think right. a lot of people get burned by it, and we've done research on this at, at HQ, is that catchers tend to kind of bloom later on in their career just because it's such a freaking learning curve yep. to catch at the major league level. And Melendez doesn't have to do that. He's DHing yep. a lot and playing corner outfield like – that's a big load off of Melendez's shoulders. He can pretty much just focus on hitting and not getting used to a new rotation, have, getting used to the way that uh, catchers play in major league games. That's a big adjustment for most catchers who actually have to play the position. 100%. 100%. So it's a fun way to end out the show, talking catchers. Always good. Yeah. Always how, good. Do we, how, do we, yeah how do we get yeah. to that? We ended it with a bang. We ended up with regression pitchers and catchers. So welcome to mid-May fantasy baseball. Wait and see what July brings you guys. It's going to be a blast. But uh, any final thoughts, Ryan, as we wrap up another wonderful episode of Bubba in the Bloom? No, man. I think uh, except for my Pavetta pick, I'm pretty confident you're going to be buying me beers in Arizona, either during the show, during the live show, or or, or on the course. I'm feeling pretty good. 
if it means that we're in Arizona hanging out and drinking beers, that's fine. I, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that loss, and we'll have a blast with it. But I have a hunch we might be playing more games along the way because I'm very competitive. So we might be having to do some more Bloom board games. This, this was a fun little twist on it, but besides just the analysis part of it, and uh, we might have to uh, have some fun with this one going forward. So we'll see what happens. But um, we'll wrap it up there. Make sure you guys follow Ryan on Twitter at RyanBHQ and always work over at BaseballHQ.com. I'm on Twitter at BDNTrick, and we'll be back with you guys next week with another episode of Bub in the Bloom. This was, though, Episode 7, your pitching over and under performers. Catch you guys later. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.